0: Hey everybody, welcome to We've Got Ward, a doof media podcast series where we expertly dissect and discuss Ward, Wild Bow's return to the world of parahumans. My name is Matt Freeman and I have here Scott Daly, who I am going to ask an invasive personal question on air.
1: And my answer to that invasive personal question is once, but I, I, I didn't really like it. This is the weekly podcast where you and I eagerly dive into Wildbo's world of strategic showmanship, a triumvirate of assholes and alien-based death powers as we analyze and interpret this ongoing web serial. This week, it's showtime as we cover 8.11 and 8.12, Breakthrough rolls the PR dice and decides to appear on Hard Boil, not only to defend Kenzie, but to argue on behalf of all parahumans time to release some secrets Matt
0: yeah these are two very intense chapters it is not hyperbole to say that my heart was pounding for both of them actually Um, like I was I was nervous reading these these chapters nervous for our characters nervous for what could happen and the twists and turns this this could take I, I think there's a lot of very clever things Wild Bo's doing that amp up that nervousness and I hope that we get a chance to talk about those things
1: yeah. Fun fact, Matt was nervous not only while reading the chapters, but in between the chapters. So he was just been nervous from Tuesday, week. from Tuesday mm-hmm. morning to Saturday afternoon as it was rough. It was a rough week.
0: Yeah, I know. I I should probably stop reading fiction if it's going to affect <laughs> me like this.
1: But yeah, I know. I think I think we've we've got a lot to a lot to say about these chapters. I think there's, as you said, there's so much going on. There's so much he's doing here to create the kind of tension that we're seeing. And, and I think we're going we're gonna to spend a lot of time on that.
0: Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, a couple of announcements first. A final reminder, I suppose, for the fan art contest. Only two more days to submit your entry for the fourth Worm Ward Parahumans quarterly fan art contest. Entries are due this Friday, August 17th at 11.59 Central Time. Check out the link in the description of this episode for more details. Yeah, get
1: those in, guys. Come on. You can do it. Yeah, there's time. There's time. And one more quick announcement. We're going to be those guys. I'm sorry, but we're going to be those guys that ask you to subscribe to our YouTube page. We're like 10 subscriptions short from 1,000, and it doesn't, as you said last week, this doesn't matter, but it But it. matters. (laughs) matters. <laughs> so yeah. um, even if you don't listen to us on YouTube, if you could take the time, go over there and click that subscribe button. Um, we are like talking about and planning to do maybe some YouTube comment content in the future. So this way you won't miss it if we just we just drop it as a surprise. So yeah, yeah.
0: And imagine if you were the 1000th. Oh, yeah. Just think how that would feel. It would,
1: I mean, it had to it would feel amazing.
0: I, I assume so
1: you would be the most powerful person on the planet.
0: Yeah, you'd be the one who did it. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um so yeah, our custom URL for that is still um YouTube.com slash the daily planet podcast because like every time I try to change it, YouTube just says, error, I can't. Yeah. And I don't understand why. But um, <laughs> you can just go to YouTube and search for Doof Media. You'll find it that way too. But um that's that's our custom URL.
0: But we're not gonna start a new channel.
1: No, heck no. You know how long it's taken to get the thousand subscribers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. Exactly. All right. uh, So now moving on to the community spotlight where we read what people wrote from last week's thread. And the discussion question slash apparently fiction writing prompt (laughs) from last week was how would you handle a PR problem with your cape team? And uh, people got really into this one. I was really happy with the responses. Yeah. Um, be- and and actually because of that, we're not going to be able to go into full detail on all, on all these comments, but it, it basically read like a whole bunch of f- really excellent and fun and interesting fiction. So, uh, for example, um, hero of old iron, uh, goes into like a list of sort of archetypal parahumans characters, like legend dragon defiant chevalier and c- kind of sketches what he would do to handle the PR fiasco caused by, their own particular foibles coming to light, like for example, Legend being outed as part of Cauldron. How do you handle that? Well you you emphasize all the good that he's done and you you try to emphasize the good that other cauldron capes have done. Um and he kind of goes down that list and and uh points out um the 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 way of, of dealing with how you handle this particular cape uh showing their uh weak side
1: Yeah, I thought I thought those are a lot of cool ones because it's just like him taking all these characters we love and characters that normally like I think he even says um, I've picked these people. So PR would never be a problem. But even if it is, let's look at how we could handle some of this stuff. Yeah. Up next is is Bisexual Punch Party, uh, who hasn't I don't think he's answered a question of ours in a while. So welcome back. Um, They basically go through and outline some of the major issues that any cape would have any kind of p r issue a cape would have like one of theirs is capes are scary, capes operate as vigilantes, a team member is a bigot and a team member is a formal criminal, and they go through how the p r would handle how they would handle each one of those through p r for the capes are scary, like they mentioned stuff uh to the effect of the team should do everything to humanize themselves as regular people with families and interests things that bind them to to society, basically things that force people to be reminded that they are human um which is ironically. Kind of the opposite of what Victoria chooses to do um but uh, I think that was that was a really good point point. and that that's i think that's something we saw in a lot of our things It's like a lot of the p r issues is force people to see you as a human being and not as your mask
0: mhm yeah um i i like i like that approach where it's it's sort of um this is the spirit in which i i sort of thought people were gonna take the uh <laughs> the, the 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 prompt of of like generally speaking, how do you deal with, uh, uh, with PR problems. But, um, uh, people like, uh, Sammy here, uh, they take a, uh, a more specific example. Uh, Sammy writes about, um, a, a purely hypothetical Cape who, um, who had some of his old tweets unearthed by a rival team and, uh, the, the, the highly inappropriate jokes in his old tweets, uh, were were used as a justification for getting him fired from his uh, from his from his team, um, and, and his team is, and and then Sammy goes on to uh, uh, try to d- advise what his team should do. Um, for example, um, give him some time, uh, let, let some time pass, and then bring him back on in, in a more limited capacity, and get him to do some charity work to uh, re- rehabilitate his image, stuff like that
1: yeah it's a uh, i mean it's really fortunate that this in this purely this purely hypothetical situation um one of this fired uh guy i think he was the director of the team i think is what, what okay. Sammy said and one sense. of his team members um i think his name was drex um uh-huh. really like stood up and defended him um mm-hmm. and and really like said no he should should not have been fired should definitely be on the team and kind of all the team got together and like signed a statement actually showing Mm -hmm. their support for uh the director of the team who i think sammy said their name was uh jimmy bullet i think Mm -hmm. it was so Mm -hmm. purely like it's so hypothetical yeah um but really creative
0: what a wild creative mind sammy has yeah absolutely Uh, yeah
1: So I almost got to do that with straight face. I almost did. Um, next up, we have Danielle, who actually sent her answer in the email, and she kind of outlines uh, a whole situation with a, a team member. This is this is one of the we're getting more into like the actual writing prop things where she she comes up with a situation of a hypothetical team member who is having a relationship with a villain and this relationship he, he's he been keeping secret from the entire team and actually um, has been like secretly sabotaging their group to, to to make sure that his team member stays free, um, and the the trials and tribulations that could come from from that as that is discovered by the the group and by the world at large. And uh, in Daniel's hypothetical situation, um, it, it doesn't doesn't end well. It gets it gets into some pretty de- depressing master powers and and emotional manipulation and things like that. It's a very creative. Uh, you know, idea though. I really, I really like this response.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed reading that one. Segwaying from that, uh, we get into literal headcanon's answer, which is not so much a hero experiencing a PR problem as like a horrible person getting their comeuppance. <laughs> um, with and it's it's like two two whole pages, and I I can't. That, that that's kind of the most thumbnail summary I can give you but it's it's pretty uh it's it's very warm very warm yeah.
1: I mean th- that's that's the cool thing about this prompt I think was like it, it's so hard for us to read and talk about your submissions this week on air because like they're also in-depth like there's really it's really tough to summarize them in a quick succinct way but uh, no even those of you we didn't cover this week like know that we loved everything you guys did like there's so many different answers so many different ideas it was all great um it was so much fun to read it and it's just like it's the the nature of the prompt is it makes it harder to to cover them on air so you guys did awesome yeah you did so I'm in, great
0: i'm inclined to give more of these writing prompt style yeah, I uh, think, I think uh, we questions
1: are. and i just yeah. wanted to say before we move on um th- that person danielle who sent us her uh Cape love story, Romeo and Juliet love story here um, also sent us like a very long email um, just, you know, working through some analysis they had. And I just wanted to say like, again, that's not something we have time to like, I would love to like read your entire email out on the air because I think you had some really incisive, wonderful points that I would want to share with people, but we just don't have time to do that. So I just wanted to acknowledge you. I I try to acknowledge everyone that sends us messages because I appreciate you guys taking the time to do so. It's just we can't we can't like cover them in, in depth on the show. Like, you know, like I, I always feel bad about that, but we just we just can't do it. So please, everyone, Danielle, thank you so much for sending that email. And everyone keeps sending us messages. We love to read them. We won't always cover them. And, and I try to respond, but we don't always respond to. Um, But we just know that we see them and we love them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we really appreciate that. It It makes it all worth it. Yeah. All right, um, moving on for to some uh, general general comments that people had.
1: Yeah, um, I think literally everybody pointed out, Matt, that you were thinking of a Katie did, which is, yeah. which is funny because I think you said that like as soon as we stopped pressing the record button, like as soon yeah. as we were done with the show and we stopped pressing record, you were like, I yeah, think I was thinking of Katie did.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, it sounds similar, right? Yeah.
1: And everyone said that. I think there was at least five or six people in the comments who pointed that out. Uh, I thought that was really yeah. funny.
0: Yeah, Uh, and also uh, uh, established Carol Scholar Megafire points out that Carol's willingness to put a decision out of her hands and into Vicky's with regard to whether they should or should not stay involved with the Cape Community Organization was a huge extension of trust. Megafire points out that this is a big deal for Carol to trust uh, as trust has been a huge issue for her in the past.
1: Yeah, I think I think we pointed out in our show that this was a big deal for their relationship, but Megafire rightly pointed out that, hey, this is, this is not only a big step for them in a relationship, but it's a big personal step for Carol as trust has been something that she's dealt with her entire life and- um, it's, it's one of the reasons why her relationship with her daughter is so rocky because she just has so much trouble extending that level of trust. And Megafire rightly points out that, Hey, look, she did that and let's give her a pat on the back for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's always good to give, it, it's easy to get on the Carol hating train, but sure. I, I think this is one case where it's like, yeah, I mean, good, good on her. Yeah. We got one. We'll, we'll see if she can keep it up for two chapters. Oh,
1: oh boy. <laughs> yeah.
0: oh. All right. We'll move into the beginning of this section, Chapter Eight, Eleven, and breakthrough takes the stage. We get a description of the triumvirate connotations um, <laughs> of of TV hosts who will come to know. Lynn Chess is the put together mediator of the trio. Hamza Cory is the incorrigible provocateur, and John Combs seems to be the clean cut face man who Victoria has mostly overlooked up till now. Uh, But who kind of sneaks up on our characters? I think.
1: Yeah, I think we'll have much to say about these guys as we go through the chapter, and most of it will be bad. But um, I I was stricken with just like how much this is positioned and framed as a very um, relatable cable news segment to our world. We've got like demographically, these three people are exactly like you know the the Fox News show Fox and Friends, although I don't think. Fox would ever let someone named Hamza Khoury on on their show. But anyway, Mm -hmm. um, but the name is is Hard Boil, which I think is a clear allusion to Hardball, which I think is an MSNBC. I don't watch cable news, so I don't really – I know the names. I don't really know much about these shows.
0: Um, no, no one in our age cohort does. Yeah, because
1: so. they're terrible. They're awful. Anyway, um, I just think it's it's we're, we're clearly constructing ourselves here at at some pretty, pretty g- great digs at the idea of these kind of cable news programs and how manipulative and terrible they are. And I, I think it's just wonderful that, that we spent time doing this. Yeah, me too. And before we move on, I just want to highlight the opening paragraph. I think we talk so much about opening and closing paragraphs in these stories because I think Wild was so good at them. And this opening paragraph is our applause was like most of the applause at a golf match. Far from uproarious, provided by expectation, not by free will. All light was reserved for the stage. Four fifths of the expansive room was dark. The audience were nebulous shapes and audience manager with her back to us kept keeping everything in order. The audience was easy to lose track of as if the lights were directed our way. As the lights were directed our way, a brightness I had to look past. This is, Matt, some fantastic imagery. All the light was literally on them. This is kind of um, the most clear allusion to the the beacon name we've seen thus far. Right. They're standing up on the stage. All the light is on them. They are literally a beacon. And you can take that for both uh, positive and negative connotations. Um, but but to see the audience, to see the people they're ostensibly speaking to, they have to look past a blinding light into the darkness. This, I think, shows the central disconnect between Cape and non-Cape. And, and it's the very thing that they're hoping to address on this organization uh, or on the show, rather. And we see... We see that set up here in the very in, in the very imagery of this opening paragraph. It's it's really great stuff. And I think it shows just how difficult bridging this gap is going to be.
0: Exactly. Yeah, this is set up and it's persistently, you know, emphasized throughout both of these chapters that that Victoria isn't really able to play to the crowd because she can't see the crowd. She's mm-hmm. she's in the spotlight and she can't see outside of it. And and again, we're pulling all of this light and heat imagery from the previous chapters and, and really, you know, something that's been persistently present in all of the arc titles and we're putting that center stage here. It's it's become a an actual plot element. So, yeah, the, the hosts greet them pleasantly uh, for the cameras, I suppose, since they don't plan on being pleasant.
1: Yeah, before we, uh, before we move on, can we just fuck fuck these guys? Let's just let's yes. just get that out there and then yeah. we can move into it. Fuck these yeah. guys so much. We,
0: Establish that position and then move on. Uh, Capricorn boldly goes, walks across the stage to shake Gary's hand, uh, and Victoria follows him to show solidarity, even though she's uncertain about the move. Gary reacts as though Tristan crushed his hand, which I kind of like to imagine he actually did, uh, but no, he's probably just trying to make the big. Uh, Gary's probably just trying to make the big bad cape look too aggressive.
1: Yeah, I think you said to me after we both read this one that there was like in your head maybe like a twenty five percent chance that he actually just crushed his hand, yeah. and I mean I wouldn't put that past Tristan, um, but I I I think you can make the argument that that he could have done that, but no, I think I think this is just this is just them playing a game, right? And I, and I love that I love this as kind of a central setup of what this entire thing is going to be because Capricorn makes this really really great optical move where he walks over there to shake his hand and he kind of shoves Gary into a corner. He can either, um, ignore it and look like an asshole. Or if he shakes it, he might piss off the people that hate capes. Like he might be seen to appease, be appeasing them. And he, so he's kind of stuck in this corner and, and he handles it in what for him is a very smart way Where yes, I'm going to shake it. And then I'm going to use that to make you look, uh, violent and aggressive. And it's such a smart move. um, and and it's it's a way to maneuver through the situation. So yeah, I mean this is this is what this whole exercise is going to be. It's going to be like this covert game of chess where players on both sides are making moves and counter moves and, and and lining out strategies, but they're doing it like all kind of under the table as the audience just looks on. And I think it's I think it's part of what makes this such a fascinating, exciting read.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think especially after doing a reread and doing, and making these notes. I I really think it's very unlikely that Capricorn would have taken a risk like that because Mm -hmm. he plays this whole interview so well. Um, I just don't think he would have made a slip up like that out of the gate.
1: I agree. But the thing that I was surprised with is on the other side of that coin, um, I don't think Gary like I think in that moment I was like convinced is like, oh, Gary's actually really smart and he's really good at this. But then the rest of the interaction, the rest of his specific interaction throughout this doesn't to me show like a really like smart strategy guy like he he doesn't actually do a good job in my opinion throughout a lot of of he doesn't do a good job of, of advancing his narrative throughout a lot of this um and we'll get into that to, you know, to a bit but that kind of made me wonder if huh, i wonder if matt was closer to being right because but I, I agree with you on tristan but it's gary that it, it is, a, is a mystery to me
0: yeah i feel like um i feel like we're gonna find out some things at some point like I mean, obviously he was um, he has inside information from some entity that wants to undermine the pair of humans, wants wants to create some problem, probably manipulate him. So it's like, did he walk into this with information that that he didn't get to use because of the course the conversation took, something like that? Um, I don't know. We're getting way ahead of ourselves, though. I'm I'm going to hold that back. Yeah, let's
1: circle back to that.
0: Yeah um it, it, it was funny to me though after Capricorn does that Victoria shakes his hand and says going to pretend like I squeezed your hand too hard Mr. Nieves uh which is just funny in the moment you know s- sort of darkly funny but it didn't occur to me until the second read through that that while Capricorn probably could injure a muggle's hand by shaking it Victoria is the one who could turn his hand into a pulp if she wanted
1: yeah and boy do I wish she did that yeah uh, oh, well, I, I think that's so I think that's so great. And I think actually it's part of his uh his lack of reaction to that that makes me think he was just that, that she was right on with his um his strategy here.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So they open up the show with Victoria showing her face and the hosts commenting on that. Lookout also shows her face, but it's a holographic different face, uh, which I think that's a good move to kind of humanize her a bit also.
1: Yeah. Um. I think that there's a there's a chance, and I, and I think I've tried consciously in my notes, and I think you have too, of of avoiding getting too repetitive in our analysis. But I think there's a chance that our analysis could get repetitive here because so much of this chapter is like we said, you know, strategic under the table push and pull conflict um, between these two sides. One side makes a move, the other counters that move, and and this is a really optical smart ploy by Victoria here. Like like we said in some of the discussion questions the first thing she does is connect people to her human side she takes down her hood and says my name is victoria first and oh this is also my cape name but i am victoria you will see me as human first um and and of course this is all true like she says she never had the luxury of a secret identity which is accurate but but it's such it's just a smart move to kind of set the tone i thought it was absolutely brilliant
0: yeah, right. They're, they're setting out their thesis right in front of everything, which right. is like, hey, we're just like you guys. Yeah. Um, and I actually think the yeah. whole
1: the, their whole opening gambit uh, does that whole thing, because we have this whole interaction where they're introducing themselves. And Swan Suck says, I'm only here in spirit. And Hamza responds with that's odd. And uh, the the play on that from Breakthrough is she's sort of like a teddy bear I brought with me for security, except I'm too grown up for that. So I brought someone cooler than a stuffed animal. I'm glad I'm cooler than a stuffed animal. And this is, I mean, just, it's just fun back and forth, but it's, it's a perfect deflection of the barb and then pushing their interaction as friends and colleagues and not as these mysterious nebulous, all powerful creatures. Like it's, it's purposefully showing a comfortable familial relationship between these two people. Again, to say, look, we're like you, we have friends, we have relationships, we are people. And, uh, it's so smart.
0: Yeah, and and lookout even comes off as as slightly childish here, right. w- which immediately makes her seem like less of a threat, mm-hmm. uh, which is good. It's good because that's kind of the whole thing they're trying to do here is make right. her seem like she's terrifying. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, regarding what you said earlier about about the the risk of of this of this particular analysis getting repetitive, like there was, it, it's so intense and such a back and forth that at, at a certain point in these notes, I s- kind of slipped into like a sports commentating <laughs> idiom. And, and I realize like I'm I, I'm not so much analyzing as I'm like oh, and then okay, and then they respond like this, and then oh that's a great feint, but <laughs> but no. And, and I'm like, wait, that's okay. But yeah, no, it's it's very it's it's that's the kind of writing this is, this yeah. particular section. It's so it's so intense and, and it's making you feel those things. So it's you, you wanna focus on it, you wanna talk about it. So yeah, so one of the first minor uh, probes, I suppose, by the hosts is John Combs asking, uh, saying he's surprised they came in costume, imagining they would have used suits and masks or something like that. And then Victoria replies, giving us a detailed analytic cape nerd breakdown on why suits and masks have their own connotations that she didn't necessarily think uh, were good. Uh, Tristan follows this up with a reminder of gold Morning and the bravery of the capes who died defending the multiverse.
1: Yeah. And this is, I think this is the point where I were in, in my analysis, I realized why these chapters are so good. Um, the, the control of the pace of this chapter specifically and both chapters as a whole is great. And, and I think it's another example. And we've talked about this on the show before, but it's another example of Wildbow using pace to kind of manipulate tension. We started this whole thing very nervous um, the tension is high going into this as as Victoria first walked on stage and then we get these little like moments of success drip fed to us as as the team seems to be negotiating and navigating the the, the attacks and the problems against them. We dodged that we deflected this one. This is another example of that. There's this little this kind of bullshit probe by john about like oh i'm surprised you're not wearing suits which why why would what that's a stupid thing to say but but they they deflect it and they move on and and it's this slow controlled kind of release of tension that makes the reader go okay okay we're doing we're doing good so far this is good This is good. And and I think it's great that Victoria almost reflects that same feeling that the reading reader is having. Like there's this moment where she says, okay, good gold morning. We were gonna, we were going to get there sooner or later. So, so him pivoting to this now is good. We're doing good. It, 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 I think it serves to line up the reader and Victoria's thought process as they're sharing the same kind of thought process as they're analyzing what's, what's happening before them. And the, and, and the, that puts you on literally the same page as Victoria, which again helps manage that tension. You're, you're with there with your narrator voice.
0: Yeah. One, one thing that I think we can do in this kind of analysis as we walk through is provide the, the perspective on Victoria's, um, Uh, Behavior that Mm -hmm. she isn't that she isn't privy to like, for example, you know, the fact that she chose to respond to his probe with, like I said, like a like a very a very obvious cape nerd uh, kind of kind of almost like too much too much detail and the kind of thing that only people who think capes are cool would <laughs> know about or care about. Yeah. And it's like her, her perspective that capes are awesome and and everything is capes, capes, capes all the time. Um, might actually just be intrinsically annoying to the kinds of people that she's trying to, to connect with. And, but she's not aware of that. She lacks the perspective to know, like that Tristan's answer of, of being like, let's, let's not talk about, how awesome capes are. Let's talk about the sacrifices capes have made. Whereas Victoria is like, Oh, clearly everyone wants to know about the suits. Yeah. Let me, let Um, me tell
1: you about every single Cape that's ever worn a suit in the history of Cape. Yeah. 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 Um, so one of the other things I like is, so we're talking about this management, this tension, how we're on Victoria's we're on the same page as Victoria. I think the other thing we have to be reminded of is that we, the reader have, meta text to this whole thing we know we're in a story while we were on victoria's page we're also thinking about the next page and the page after that so while we see victoria's tension kind of release as she she meets these minor successes and and ours kind of matches that we know in the back of our minds that this is a book and something bad is going to come like the, there's they're not just gonna like that's the the rules of narrative kind of tell us that the other shoe is going to drop at some point. So while we're manipulating these tensions, we're lowering and raising it. There's always this kind of base level of it. There's always that bomb under the table still. And I think Wildbo knows that we know it and he uses that and, and he uses that to propel you through the conversation. This is ostensibly people sitting in chairs talking to each other. That's what this, these whole, it's two chapters of people sitting in chairs talking to each other. There's no action here. There's no traditional set pieces or anything like that, but it's never boring and it propels you through it. And why it's that, it's that tight control of tension, the up and down movement of tension throughout each and every one of these dialogue trees that, that propels you through to the next sentence and the next sentence and the next sentence. And I think that's just That's, you know, we've talked about this before, and I'm sure I've said something very similar to a a heavy dialogue scene in Worm, But that's what makes these books good is that Mm. is that that manipulation of tension. And I I just love it.
0: Yeah, no, this is this is an absolutely uh, fantastic example of that. And the the kind of thing that I want to study in in a lot of detail, um, which we're sort of doing right now. Yep. um, Yeah. So so the next the next turn. Uh, The next barb actually comes from Combs again. Uh, As I mentioned, he's he's the one who kind of is hitting a lot harder than they expected, who brings up Amy in context of her stay in the birdcage. Victoria deflects this and in doing so partly ends up defending Amy in a way. She says, thank you. I was young, but it was hard at the time. A tragedy. My sister, too. We just lost almost half our family. The Slaughterhouse Nine showed up. She broke down. She went to the birdcage because she didn't trust herself. And then Victoria thinks to herself, it was as kind of a response as I could come up with. I felt a creeping sort of dread with the notion that she might be looking, watching, reading something into this, maybe even showing up unexpectedly. Um, So, I mean, that's, we're always kind of on like Victoria's mentality towards Amy watch 2018. Um, (laughs) And, She she does sort of defend like this is a fairly measured interpretation of what happened with her and her sister. She went to the birdcage because she didn't trust herself. You know, it's that it's she doesn't she doesn't even slide any barbs here. She does later, but not here. Um, cause she's still kind of holding it down here and, and, and it still freaks her out a little bit. And, you know, worth pointing out that she is starting to get freaked out and her being freaked out is going to get worse and worse as the show continues because they're going to keep pressing on her.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I mean, this is, this is as factual of a statement as possible. Like everything she said here was just a fact, like she broke down. She went to the birdcage because she didn't trust herself. These are she's stating facts and she's making them as neutral as possible, which for her is a defense because it's her sister who she has all this this baggage with. Um and and and, and I, I love that to her credit, she dealt with this really well. I think on on some on some level, she knew this was coming and you can kind of see that the punches are, are landing, but she's, she's keeping herself on strategy. Like, like the fact that she just had not only someone talked to her about Amy, um, she had to speak about her publicly and she still has the the presence of mind to be aware of the strategy. She doesn't go down into like a memory rabbit hole. She, she even mentions right after this, there was a strategy in play to anticipate that it would, that they would go on the offensive and to disarm and lay the groundwork first. She is still clear on what their goal is here and what their strategy is. She hasn't lost sight of that. And her sister was just brought up. So, I mean, she starts off here good and you're right we're going to see as we go that that is just slowly slowly broken down
0: right because like not only is he talking about her sister but he talks about the hospital he he knows exactly what he's doing and he's honing in on it and we're going to see it more and more so th- but they, they kind of take a break from that they follow up from that by attacking lookout uh, and then when they do this they don't let the heroes get a word in to defend her and Hamza then kind of abruptly turns from criticizing um, Lookout and, and basically blames Victoria for failing to save her family and loved ones from their fates in Brockton Bay. And, man, Scott, it's, it's almost like they've prepared for this and they're <laughs> the ones in charge of the show.
1: Yeah, and I think this is when you switch from being just nervous to you just start getting pissed off, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's not to say that these guys don't actually make some points. Like, they say, Ashley is a murderer, she is. Tristan is a murderer. He is. I mean, actually, apparently they were just allegations and he was never convicted. So I guess we have to use the word allegedly. But um <laughs> Kenzie did extort her parents. They accuse her of that. And that is true. But then, yes, suddenly we're blaming Victoria for everything that happened in Brockton Bay. She didn't defeat Leviathan. Ergo, you're as bad as a murderer. She didn't save her family. She didn't save people. Ergo, you're comparable to someone who extorted and murdered people. And of course not. That's that's a ridiculous reach. And I think our host knows knows that it's a ridiculous reach. And they're not trying to make a rational argument here anymore. They're just attacking and prodding and poking. And and what this is showing to me and what we'll basically see confirmed in the next chapter that while this show is supposed to be about Kenzie, the host have looked at the four people on the stage and they have decided who they feel is the most susceptible to attack and they are attacking that person, and that is Victoria. And they continue throughout this to attack and poke and prod at her. And they they're not they're not trying to convince anyone about anything anymore. They're not trying to make a logical argument. They're just trying to push her to a point where she steps over the line.
0: Yeah, it, it's pretty clear that they have some kind of inside track information that someone has given them the insight that if they go after her in this way, then it's it's gonna it's gonna get to her, and she's gonna slip. Um, yeah, re- regarding kind of that, that ridiculously bad argument, I think the structure of the argument is basically, um, you say you want to save people and protect people, but look at all these people you didn't save, <laughs> yeah. w- which, which kind of like as stupid as it is works on an emotional level. If you're receptive to it, Yeah, like that's exactly the kind of stupid argument you'd expect to hear on a cable news, like debate show.
1: Especially if you're a person like Victoria who carries such a large amount of guilt for things that an objective person would look at and say, hey, that's out of that was out of your control. That's not your fault. But but she carries that guilt with her constantly. Yeah. And it's almost as if they know that and they're using it.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. and And what I love, what I love about the writing throughout this is that. Not only are we seeing these these attacks, we're seeing Wild Boat shows us Victoria's ability to handle them break down slowly. Like I said, we had the first barrage where she was able to, to go back and focus on her strategy. And now if we get this attack and and we have I drew in a breath. The faint noise of the audience was enough to take the oxygen out of that breath. I tried not to let it throw me. This was fine. Expected just more of a gut punch than I, than I anticipated, I needed, and then she 's cut off, so it 's like she 's losing it like we can see her slowly start to lose it and it 's so like I love the the patience with victoria like it would be very easy to set up the scene where someone goes out and and drops Amy and Victoria just snaps right It would be very easy mm-hmm. to do that and i don 't th- i don't think that would even break the character too much to do that but no we're we're patient with it and that's what i mean by the pacing and the tension is is the patience that this this takes to kind of slowly break down and slowly draw out to finally where she's pushed too far is just so wonderfully doled out
0: yeah well we're knocking her back to where she was at the start of the story basically which is a really sad way of framing it actually but like we she's built up so much um you know strength and and resilience and Um, and she's come so far and they're literally pushing her back to that point where she was willing to lash out at her family with her power to keep them away from her when she felt threatened by them. Yeah. 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 So Gary finally begins to make his point, which is basically in line with the other two men, uh, which is that the capes can't be allowed to be in charge because they're an unhealthy, unstable element. It's interesting that, that he's almost being sidelined, Yeah. Here.
1: Yeah. And I think he's being sidelined because I don't think he's very good at this whole thing. Um, like you're right. He hasn't dominated the conversation and, and I don't think that he constructs like, it doesn't feel to me like he's trying to manipulate people into agreeing with me. I think he just thinks he's going to go out there and say what he believes and people are going to agree with him here. Like if you want to manipulate people into this, this thinking that all capes are bad, I think there's a way to do it. I, I think by jumping into jumping from breakthroughs, bad all capes, bad just instantly. I think you kind of hurt your point. You go too broad too soon. And if it were me and I was trying to manipulate people, I'd continue to beat on this idea that breakthrough is specifically bad. Like, look, these guys are bad. And then you can frame them as, okay, these are these terrible bad guys. But they're like the best example of capes. Like, wh- who do they have left? These, these are these are some of the best examples of cape left. Let the audience themselves then make that connection, right? Let them take, well, these guys are bad, and they're the best the capes have. And hey, maybe all capes are bad. And then you and then you haven't like just stated the idea. You've kind of incepted it into their head. And I think that's a much better like manipulation tactic. But that's not that's not doesn't seem that to be that Gary's game at all here.
0: Yeah, um, you could, could go quite deep into that because you could be exactly right, and and I'm inclined to, to agree with you. There's also, just kind of occurring to me right this minute, it's possible that he's actually just really tapped into the zeitgeist and people are exactly this angry and, and bigoted and susceptible to, to this kind of, like, there's a difference between, like, We've we've made parallels between this and and like racism mm-hmm. and there's a difference between like veiled dog whistle racism, but everyone knows what the person's saying, and just open waving the racism flag racism where the point is for everyone to see how racist they are and agree with yeah. Them. And he's doing the latter thing. And it may be that that's exactly how bad things actually are right now.
1: Yeah, and I, I kind of like that because I think it means that things have gotten so bad that Gary doesn't actually have to construct a a clever ruse or clever argument to win these points. All he has to do is state what he thinks Um and he wins. And I, I think that shows exactly that, that this place has gotten so bad that that's – that, that Arguing debate isn't necessary anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right, so yeah, they move on to... um, They go back to talking about Lookout. Hamza says the allegations are that she terrorized her parents, controlling every aspect of their lives for over a year. And, I asked, shit, there went civility. (laughs) I beg your pardon. It's such Um, a
1: shitty way to answer that question. Yeah. Oh, Victoria.
0: Yeah, so Victoria is actually... (laughs) <laughs> she's not handling this talk show thing super great actually. Uh not to imply that she should be perfect or or that you know I expect her to be perfect or that it's fair to expect her to do a great job when they're hammering on her like this, but you know, she's the one to cross the line into rudeness here. Yeah. E- even Ashley's keeping it on lockdown, but then again, they're they're going after her. You know, I'm I'm sure if they were pushing Ashley's buttons, they'd get a similar result.
1: Yeah, I wonder about though. I don't I- <laughs> I don't actually know. I mean, I agree with you that Victoria is not doing great. And this is another example of how her her defenses are slowly being chipped away and and worn down. But I don't I don't know if you could like push Ashley in similar ways. Like we we were talking about You and I were talking about this a little earlier today that that Ashley and everyone else on the group rather their wounds are fairly out in the open. There's nothing that you can kind of reveal or or sneak attack them with unless like they know about Jay, in which case that could have been a fucking disaster. Um, Mm -hmm. But out of everyone here, Victoria is the most closely guarded and she has the most secrets and and the most like. Ha, they keeps them the closest to her chest. So that makes her the most susceptible to these attacks. And that's why it's working. And I, I, I don't, I don't know if, if like we were so worried about Ashley and everyone was so worried about Ashley. And I don't know if this would have gotten to her in that same way.
0: Yeah. She's, I think Ashley is prepared more right. than Victoria, if that makes sense. Well, and
1: everyone's prepared for Ashley's weakness and this is something we're going to get into in the next chapter, I think, because everyone knows what Ash- Ashley's weakness is, just like everyone knows what Kenzie's weakness is, just like everyone knows Tristan or Capricorn's flaws. Um, there's one person who they don't know that much about, and that's mm-hmm. the person that's being attacked right now.
0: Yep. Um
1: Oh, yeah. And and just I mean, like just to to kind of reiterate on that, I I think like we see here in these moments that Swan Song's voice was soft. So not only is she holding it together, but she's even kind of acting here. She's performing. Her her voice is softer, not only to uh, like compared to Hamza's, but compared to her usual tone as well. So like, look how good she's doing. She's doing really good here. She's not only managing to control herself, but she's she's performing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can put yourself in her head and you can really imagine like she's doing this for Kenzie. Right. um, And she really cares about her and it absolutely doesn't serve Kenzie to blow her top here. So, like, I think there's a there's a lot there's a lot that's keeping Swan Song on her good behavior. Um, And Victoria is she's focused on Kenzie, but she's also really focused on this on on sort of rehabilitating the image of capes. Which is, I don't think, something she was ever going to accomplish successfully.
1: I think that was, yeah, that was, I think that was too much of a thing to, t- too much of a bite to chew. Like, that's yeah. too, it's too much to do on a talk show, a format yeah. like this.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll also give an honorable mention to Tristan, who's just being a, a master here. Like, he, he kind of like judo's somebody's comment about, like, oh, you're not, you're not crediting the civilians, you're not crediting the, the non-capes and he's like, oh, that they do good work. Police, patrol block, courts, fire, medical. They're doing the best they can given the circumstances. Admirable considering the circumstances. And I'll tell you this: we're going to give our all to do our share. That's what gets us through the colder months. So it's like the format, the like per- perfectly honed format is like acknowledge the thing you said, graciously and and with humility, turn it into refocusing us on the important problems that we want you to be thinking about
1: i mean it's a politician answer to a debate question i mean it's it's, it's beautiful and tristan is doing great and i like i completely understand how unfair it is to byron for him to be monopolizing the time but damn um and it's funny because I think it's ironically his skill at this kind of manipulation that has led him to the the trouble that he's had and continues to have. Right. Like the, the type of things that Moonsong accused him of all those time ago, manipulating people and pushing them and pulling them to do what you want and to believe what you want. I mean, this is what makes him good at this is what's causing a lot of his conflict. And again, I have to reiterate that we get through this stuff. We're going to have a Capricorn issue.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's true. Like, we've never seen him firing on all, all cylinders like this. He, he said this is his element, yeah. and now we believe him. Yeah. So, yeah, now we get to the bombshell. Victoria, she spills the beans, Scott. Yep. Um, I have to wonder, th- did they talk about this beforehand? And if so, did they check with anybody outside their circle?
1: Yeah, I thought about this for a while, and I, I reread, you know, last week's chapters and, and these chapters multiple times trying to to see, and, and I, like I'm fairly sure that the answer to that question is yes. Um, like I think Breakthrough definitely discussed this as a strategy internally. Like as she's sending them down this road of revealing Mooring and Scion and everything that happened, she gets backed up by Tristan and she gets these supportive squeezes from Lookout as she prepares to drop this bomb. So I would think I think if if this was going off plan and this was Victoria kind of going off book, she would at least be aware of the surprised concerned reactions from her teammates. Like we would see like Capricorn, give her a look that like, is, are you sure this is where you want to go? But, but we don't see any of that. So I think yes, her teammates for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. as far as anyone outside the circle, the other capes, the other part of her communication, I, I think so. Like, I think, I think part of her reaching out to the other groups and, and to get permission to appear on the show was, to get permission to do this. Um, I I said last week, remember I was a little confused as to what got them on the show when they originally, when they were originally told no. And I was a little confused about how that all worked. And, and my speculation with what we know now is that they promised to reveal some kind of big information. And then they went to the other groups and got permission to do so. And that was the like kind of uh, the sacrificial goat of we're going to be the ones to reveal this to the world. And so I think, and based on what we see in the next chapter, everyone's response to them revealing this stuff, it seems like it wasn't a surprise to most of the, this this group. So yeah, I think I think they knew about it.
0: Yeah, that all makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm still not convinced that I, I I think the team did discuss it, but I'm not convinced that anyone outside the team knew about it. Um, but I I think your argument is sound. Okay. So we'll we'll see. I I think. Uh, yeah. So they explained the boogeyman who contained all the powers related information justifying why capes didn't share this info before now. And then they explain scion, the interdimensional alien on live TV.
1: (laughs) Surprise!
0: Yep. Yep. Just going to go ahead and wrestle this, this whole plot away from you guys. Um, And then the the, kind of their point, the reason they bring it up is to say like, yeah, this is what scion was. This is what powers are. Um, And the point is that this is proof that capes are not, Slave to this—they don't call it the conflict drive, but they, everyone kind of knows what they're what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Tristan says we won, and if you have any doubts about how we were programmed, look to the, to the scholars for answers. It's subtle if it's there at all. Focus instead on the fact that when it all came down to it, we concentrated our efforts, to looking past petty squabbles. It took a nameless cape to grab us all and drag people from every corner of reality to reinforce. That cape tried to keep us, but when, when we broke free, we kept fighting, and we fought as one. And Swan Song follows up a bit later. We won, Swan Song said. We defeated the embodiment of that impulse. We can and will defeat it in ourselves. Um, I really like this part. This part made me really emotional, because any time they talk about Taylor in the story, <laughs> I get emotional. Um, it it feels very earned, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I love Wild Bow like, throwing kind of shade on the overemphasis of the conflict drive that I know I've been guilty of at times. Like it's, it seems like a very clever, a very easy scapegoat um, that a lot of people in the community, myself included fall into sometimes. But isn't it funny how this, these two quotes here sum up worm and ward, right? Like Mm -hmm. we defeated the embodiment of that impulse worm. We can and will defeat it in ourselves ward Mm -hmm. i mean that's 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 the difference that's the central difference between the two stories right like we killed the badness the external badness and now it's time to look inside and deal with the the stuff inside of us and Mm -hmm. i i love i love that like ashley manages to just take these this whole this whole complicated theme this whole complicated idea and distill it down to these two sentences and i'm just like that's the story that's what it is yeah
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I love that. I love that. I mean, those two statements don't really follow on each other like that, but, um, but they, they, they are a nice one, two punch of, of thematic condensation.
1: Yeah. But when you're editing Matt, you can just cut them and put them next to each other and then say, look,
0: (laughs) do whatever you want. Exactly.
1: Yeah. The the manipulation of analysis. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: Um, Yeah, but even as the chapter begins to wrap up and these revelations begin to sink in, it's clear from the audience reaction that people aren't necessarily going to like this.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of the hard thing about truth, right? Sometimes it's tough to hear. I I think sharing this information was in the end probably a good thing. I think this kind of show format might have not been the best place to do it, but I think it's a good strategy for one, you know, reflecting the heat off of Lookout specifically and Breakout as a whole, but also, you know, sending a message about communication. Like we, Victoria's whole thing is communication, communication amongst CAPES, communication to everyone else. We want to share. And it's probably something that they should have done a long time ago, and they're doing it now. But I worry, Matt, (laughs) I -hmm. worry that it might be too late. I I worry that what they've done is just basically confirm everyone's worst nightmare. We've taken parahumans and potentially just thrown away the human part of that word. Now everyone knows that in each and every one of these people's heads is a piece of an alien And I think in a perfect world, this would allow for an opportunity for reflection. We'd see capes as what they really are, which is victims, victims of powers and forces that are beyond their control. But this is not a perfect world. And I think a lot of scared and angry people just got a very good good reason to mistrust parahumans even more. They have fucking aliens in their heads.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean that kind of reminds me of of similar conversations that we've we've had on this show and, and and off of this show where it's like if if you know that someone is a violent psychopath because they had the misfortune of being born with the brain that made them that way, we as a society don't generally say like oh well that that's fine then you know they it's their brain yeah you know it's like no that's you know that's we, we draw the line around the person such that we we hold them culpable for that, and we put them in jail and 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 we consider them to be a, a frightening risk um and yeah, so like just like just like we do right now, people aren't gonna give them any slack, I don't think mm-hmm. so yeah the the chapter eight dot twelve continues, and we just don't miss any time really um the hosts are on their back foot, the audience is buzzing uh and breakthrough takes a quick huddle during the commercial break. Um, Victoria recognizes that they are, that they're under, that basically she, she, she thinks um, she's not trying to find the flow of things and steer with it, but caught with nothing to keep us afloat. The water is rushing away to gather strength for the incoming wave.
1: I love that imagery. Don't you? I mean, like they've yeah. just released to this bombshell and they're like, okay, okay. The, the pressure's off right now, but I still am aware that things are coming like this isn't over. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a perfect way in the first paragraph of the chapter just to say, basically this isn't over.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny cause this, this imagery right here, it, it reminds me of like scary beach situations I had as a kid when you would get in that situation where, you know, the a particularly big wave sneaks up on you and you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. And And you're just, there's nothing you can do about it. You're just completely out there and there's no shield. There's no protection. There's nothing you got. When this thing hits you, you're screwed. And that's almost exactly what happens.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we, we get the, so there's a couple details from Tristan in this chapter that I want to highlight because they, I didn't, maybe I just missed or misinterpreted things um, but it felt like new information to me. Maybe you can, maybe you you or, or the listeners can help clarify this for me. Tristan says I'm vulnerable, not so much credibility as dark. Going back to my murder charge, making me out to be a bad guy. And then uh, I think Victoria replies, "We talked about that briefly. I would have liked actual details so I can back you up." But and then Capricorn continues, "But my brother wants it left in the past. If it comes up, I'll deal with it." So it's. Byron, who wants it left in the past?
1: Yeah, that's I mean, that's very that's very interesting because like all this time Tristan's been talking about the 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 bad time, right? Where he kind of went bad and and he's never refuted the murder charge, right? Like, I mean, like yeah. it doesn't seem like he was ever convicted, but he's never said, no, I did not murder that person. Um, yeah, but I always kind of assume because it was Tristan talking about this stuff, it was Tristan that that was responsible for it. He's the one that went dark. He's the one that did this. So it, either Tristan's just lying here and it's not Byron that wants it left in the past. He's just shoving it on him because he can't fight back. Or maybe Byron had more culpability in, in dark Recorn Um, than we originally assumed, or maybe, maybe it's a little bit both. I don't know. Either way. I'm, I will reiterate my concern for Capricorn right now.
0: Yeah, I mean it it's just it's just interesting that you you think of Byron as being all all above board and straight-laced but he's like no 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 we're not going to talk about that thing that happened e- even if it was all Tristan Byron's the one who kind of is trying to brush it brush it under the rug. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense cuz if you're sharing a body with the guy you know you don't want to have to deal with him being put in prison. Yeah, that obviously. would
1: that would suck because like I have to go to jail because of what you did. So please, can we just we got a break here. We got a lucky break. Can we ke- please just move past this? I don't want to I don't want to look at it. I don't want to think about it anymore. That's a good yep. point. I like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But I think one one of the things we're doing here, though, is we're huddling and we're talking about each one of their weak points and where they could be hit. They have this break. They, they've they kind of seen their strategy and they're like, OK. How can they hit us? And Capricorn talks about his shit. Lookout talks about her shit. Actually says she's not even really there, so she could easily deflect by saying, "Hey, I'm in, I'm in prison. Like I'm I just it's a hologram. I'm over in prison." Yeah. Victoria. The Victoria says the shit that they could hit her with is, "Um, I kept my powers from the patrol block." So that's that's it, Victoria. That's uh. That's all that's all they can hit you with. There's nothing else. no other things they could use to hit your credibility with. no no other lines of attack against you. None That's it. It's just that you you hid your your powers from your control block. That's it and And here yeah. here, I think Matt is the central problem with Victoria still hiding so many of the details of her time in the hospital and and, and the fact of both wretches, the wretch in the hospital and the wretch that it is now from the rest of her team. Victoria is not interested in thinking about that stuff. And and so either she's purposefully not thinking about it or she's just pushed it so far out of her mind, it doesn't come up when she's thinking about weaknesses. Um, And nobody else knows about it, so it just goes unnoticed. So as we move back from our commercial break and these hosts prepare to drop their big Victoria guns, nobody's prepared for it. Sveta, the only person that knows the true detail about this stuff isn't there. She's not there. If mm. Sveta was there, maybe she would have said, Hey, um, Victoria, they might go hard on this stuff right here. Like, it seems like that's where they're going. And I know enough about your past to know that, but she's not there and she hasn't shared with anyone else on the team. So they're kind of powerless to really come to her defense because they don't understand enough. And that that we've been talking about the danger of Victoria not sharing with the team over and over again, and I think this, what happens here, is a perfect example of why that's so dangerous.
0: Yeah, I mean, that we've been talking about the fact that, first of all, she doesn't share with them, and, and that Sveta knows this stuff, but Sveta is one of the more closed-mouthed among them. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about that all this time, and I think this is, one of if not the moment where we get the consequences of of that lack of of sharing and, and transparency yeah so um yeah moving on through through this little powwow they're having uh victoria says don't hand them the ball morality that stuff don't bring it up they'll use it to launch into the topic and we here at doof media really agree with this advice don't bring up morality
1: yeah thanks victoria i would have really appreciated that like a year ago it would have been yeah. great
0: so swan song then mentions that the hosts could make them leave now that which would rob them of their momentum and give the hosts opportunity to just spin the situation to suit their own ends
1: yeah which is a pretty good point to bring up and i'm sure that won't become relevant here in a couple minutes at all um no. and i think it's important to, to note just how like stressed victoria is about that idea like there's this whole moment when they're talking and they're like looking at the as the time ticks down to the commercial break and they're like okay uh it's way too close it's way too close to, to coming back for them to kick us off now i think we're in the clear and she's like really stressed about it because that would be bad them leaving early and allowing the last word to be given by the people trying to paint them as bad people would be a bad thing to happen
0: yeah Yep. Whoops. Um, Yeah. So when the show returns, they first play a clip of Kenzie's horrible
1: parents. Fuck this so much. I hate cable Uh news. I hate these people. I hope the wretch punches all their faces off. Um, like this, this, this uh, bullshit. Oh, we we did so much for her. We gave her after school activities and piano lessons, and we tried to get her to play sports, but she didn't like sports. Fuck you guys! You shoved her face into a plate until it sliced her cheek open. You f- fuck. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I agree with I'm everything done. you just said. Uh, All right, it makes me so angry. It's like it's such like patented like bullshit like hit piece manipulation like it's it's
0: uh yeah what's funny is is like i have a hard time this you know disentangling the fact that i already know that they're pieces of shit and interpreting what they're saying as like god you're so full of shit (laughs) um but like it's hard to hear it the way a neutral third party would hear it right you know because it might come off Fine, I can't tell because I hate them so much. Yeah, um, but yeah. So next uh, Capricorn beat that I wanted to pull out here, uh, the one of the hosts says Capricorn was facing trial with proceedings benched indefinitely until the end of the world it erased all records. So that's interesting, and I'm not sure if I knew or recalled this either. That the murder charge wasn't dropped or or and he wasn't acquitted. Um, it was more like. The proceedings were stalled, and then the end of the world happened, so he just got out of it scott free
1: yeah and i think I think this has been alluded to before, but I don't think it's ever been spelled out like as clearly as it is here, so i I understand yeah. you that that seeming like news um
0: yeah, I think the way that that Moonsong reacts to his presence makes it seem like justice wasn't done in her mind, yeah. but I thought that was just her being crazy, <laughs> but it turns out this is true justice wasn't done <laughs>
1: she, she, justice was not done and she's crazy can be two things they those both those can be true Matt that's true but I think this this is important because it kind of fits the strategy that they're taking here in this second chapter um that we granted amnesty for these capes but it wasn't amnesty for everyone that people who did terrible things don't face consequences while regular humans on the other hand don't get so lucky as that which I mean, that's kind of bullshit. Like Gary argues here that Kenzie's parents didn't get a second chance, that they were just tossed in jail based off of their past crimes and nothing else. But that only can be true if you just ignore or dismiss everything, every bit of evidence that has happened since then, which is, you know, exactly what he's doing. Yeah. But I think I think another thing this does is also show us one of the central disconnects of both the story and like this moment, right? like th- this idea we've talked about this on one of our discussion questions before about what is forgiveness? because mm-hmm. so much of this book is about second chances, earned or otherwise, and And that Wildbo is framing one of the central divisions of this whole cape versus human thing as this question around worthiness of forgiveness and second chances on both sides, I think, is a really sharp move. And Gary's point in this whole thing seems to be twofold to me. And because he's a bigot, Matt, those points actually just outright contradict themselves because that's Mm -hmm. what happens when you're a bigot. Um, First, he says the amnesty was not universally implemented as evidence. Here's the Martins. They were unjustly convicted for past crimes while other people like Capricorn were allowed to walk free. So look, we treat the capes better because capes get off for crimes, but here's the Martins that were, were judged for past crimes. But then his second point is that the amnesty should not be distributed universally. Incredibly powerful people who have hurt people in the past should not be forgiven for these past crimes. It's too dangerous to do that. That's too dangerous to give people a pass. And those those are completely opposing points, right? Like you can't mm-hmm. you can't both argue that we should Have a universal amnesty, but also we should not have a universal amnesty because I don't like these people. So it's just amnesty just for the people I like, not so much for the people I don't like.
0: Yeah, basically amnesty except for Kate. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And this, by the way, just just so we're clear, makes him a fucking dickhole.
0: That's accurate. Um, So Gary again brings up Amy and emphasizes in front of millions of people. That she could kill everybody in the world <laughs> if she wanted. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, I wonder why she would maybe feel inclined to seek out some kind of protection in response to this kind of situation. Yeah,
1: yeah, I wonder. I, I wonder like if if it's a cable news program that's like trying to scare people into action or something. Like mm. yeah, like your sister, Amy Dallin of two three four Evil Street, phone number five five five, literally Satan, could wipe us all Out at any moment. So why don't you just go maybe maybe just deal with that, people? If you just want to go deal with that. Like it's it's such like it's such cable news like to scare people. We we know her name. Like it's it's irresponsible to do something like this. It's intentionally trying to rile people up. It's disgusting. And what makes me so fucking angry about it is we're sitting here having a discussion about second chances and giving everyone new opportunities. And Gary basically goes. Well, speaking of second chances, what about your rapist, Victoria? What you surely don't believe that the person that raped you deserves to be walking around on the street. I'm just going to continually remind you of this terrible thing that this person did to you on national TV to force you to agree with my side because I believe my side's right. And it's just fucking awful. It's it's awful
0: yeah as as one of the team members says later, s- sleazy is the word yeah. it's uh it's it's gross, yeah. and it's good of them that they they point it out when it, when it happens, yeah I mean later they um, say,
1: how dare you right but how yeah. fucking dare you like the it's, yeah, right fuck you
0: yeah yeah I mean and we get to the point of it right now because John Combs, the guy who's been pushing you know most of this time, who I'm now picturing as John Ham, pulls this shit. <laughs> Uh, she put you in the hospital, John Combs said. We've gone over this and you needed special facilities, he continued, because she went to the birdcage, the Bauman Human Containment Center, and she left you with eight arms, ten hands, three heads with one additional face that had no head or skull to go with it. Two, I used my aura hard and I wasn't sure it was purely by reflex. It was the closest thing I had at hand to slapping him across the face. Um... So this is the moment. Yeah. Of, yeah.
1: The thing about this, as as someone who analyzes story, this makes me angry. But I also love it, yeah. <laughs> like from from a story right. perspective. Right. Like, I love how this was set up. I love how it pays off. And I love like it, you can you can view this whole interaction as Victoria walking onto the stage with a metaphorical version of her force field. Right. And and she walks mm-hmm. on the stage and she's got her shield up and it takes blow after blows and she stands there and she's okay because she's protected by that shield. And then they hit her with a hit that's too hard and the shield pops. And then suddenly it's just her. and And like she said, waiting for the wave to hit. And her response to that is to fight back, to push back, to go on the offensive. And I love the detail here. I love that... I wasn't sure it was purely by reflex. I, th- that the implication there is I wanted this. I knew that I was mm-hmm. doing this and I did it anyway because I wanted it because I wanted to slap this guy across the face and this was the only way I could do it.
0: Yeah. And, and, or she's just angry enough that she's willing to, yeah. you know, she's, she's so, she's so angry right. and, and upset that, that it makes sense in the moment. And it's not, because reflex implies no choice There is a choice, but it's a purely emotional choice.
1: And it's so fucking terrible that she was backed into this corner. But it's such a colossal fuck up too. like. Yeah, like like we talked about last week, the team was in this kind of intense argument about Ashley. Should Ashley go on the show? Is it a good idea for us to put Ashley up on that stage? Was she too much of a risk or not? No one even thinks about if Victoria is too much of a risk on that stage. Yeah. And and again, I think it has to be with the exception of Sveta. They don't fully understand Victoria's situation, so they can't correctly gauge whether or not it's too much of a risk for her to stand up on that stage. Hardboiled knew it, mm-hmm. but her own team didn't, and that that they 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 won, they won.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the win isn't perfect because Tristan comes in here with the interception. Um, how dare you opening up someone's old, no, no, sorry, emphasis. How dare you Capricorn retorted opening up someone's old wounds and getting affronted when they react. So like he's, again, he, he's great here because he's trying to save the fact that she did this and, and justify it in, in a way that's pretty, pretty relatable. Um, but I don't think you can, I don't think he's going to succeed. at yeah, that. Yeah. You know? I think it's too late.
1: I mean, it's just yeah. like, you can't counter the terror aura with words of indignation like it's just not going to work. Nobody. Nobody's going to buy it if they're even still listening like that. I mean, that's the thing we see here is I can't remember which one of it. I think it's probably Hanzo, right? Who says how dare he's the one who says, how dare you? And, no. and, and Capricorn says his thing and then he just repeats it as if he's just completely dismissed everything Capricorn said and that's what everyone's going to do. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't, it, like This argument's gone now like the, the aura like you just s- terrified with a power. Not, not just, not just the use of the power in general terrified you, but the point of the power was to terrify you. Like your, your, your argument's gone. Like, like, even if that's not fair and it's not fair, it's not fair at all, but it's just gone. It's just like, sorry, thanks for playing.
0: Yeah. Right. And I I also like the fact that everyone describes it as like a terror aura when up till now, it's just been like, oh yes, it's my Intimidation. Slash awe aura. Right. It's like no, no. It, now it's your terror aura, Victoria. Yeah, and I
1: mean, it also implies that if if her aura truly works the way she has historically believed it is, it implies that every single person in this room was <laughs> so terrified of her before she yeah. even used the aura, saw her as a scary person.
0: Good point. uh And then Victoria stands up sharply, an act she realizes will will be perceived as an aggressive power move, but in this moment she feels the need to regain control she goes on to talk about where powers come from and her perspective that uh, their job is now to manage the fallout of scion's defeat um, and and she and she's talking about forgiveness and she says as you guys said my so-called sister hospitalized me i'm not forgiving or forgetting i'm not giving her a pass a person destroyed me and i'm And I'm not going to bang my drum and demand they see the inside of a prison. So she's trying to use herself as an example of how to move forward uh, because she's clearly really good at that.
1: Yeah, but it's (laughs) right. I mean, that's the irony of it, right? As she's saying, yeah, like look at me as an example, but it's not great. But I think we've seen how much she's regressed here, right? Like my so-called sister, like that's how that's how much in this short time she's kind of been pushed backwards, as you said, kind of regressed to a. Pre-start of book state that like she doesn't even want to claim her as a sister anymore. Um yeah. but I kind of love this argument that she makes. And I think it's such an important distinction regarding the kind and and the meaning of the forgiveness that people have been talking about. Victoria said the first time we met her in Glowworm that she doesn't believe in forgive and forget. But she has clearly always on some level supported the amnesty. Why? And I think that that's because to her specifically and, and maybe largely, there's a difference between forgiving someone and giving someone a second chance. Mm-hmm. We talked about this way back in that discussion question a while ago. Victoria hasn't forgiven anyone. She hasn't forgiven her mom. She hasn't forgiven Amy. She hasn't forgiven herself for all the things she thinks that she's done wrong. Mm-hmm. But from this and all the other actions we've seen in the book so far, it seems like she on some level believes people deserve the opportunity to prove that maybe they're not that bad person anymore to prove that they've changed and I think that's because in essence that's what she wants for herself she wants a check a second chance to make up for the mistakes of her past she blames herself for so much of the stuff that happened before not only for just what she did the the overly violent actions she did as glory girl but the events that led her up to the hospital she said over and over again this was my fault I failed to do this I should have done this I should have listened I like she's blamed herself for all this stuff and she wants an opportunity to make it right. And yeah. And so forgiveness and second chances to Victoria are not the same thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think that maybe why she doesn't want Amy in prison also is that she feels a little bit culpable for Amy's situation in the first place. Yeah. More more than a little bit actually, so Um, Yeah, even though Amy terrifies her.
1: Yeah, I mean, she absolutely terrifies her. But but even maybe especially Amy, especially Amy in her mind. Deserves an opportunity, at least Um, Victoria might have convinced herself that any day now Amy's going to go bad and she might firmly believe that. But she doesn't spend every day yelling at the wardens or yelling at whoever's in charge that Amy needs to be in prison. That's not what she spends her time doing. So at least on some level, she thinks that. She deserves a shot.
0: hmm Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Um. So Gary continues pressing the attack. You make it very easy to fear you. You don't give us many reasons to trust you. Um, Swan Song replies, you don't give us much reason to trust you. If you can't help us, stay out of our way and let us do what we need to. <laughs> um, I wanted to correct that, to reject it. I let it stand. Um... <laughs> Which I love, I love that phrasing because it makes you feel like she's like, yeah, yeah. Like she, she agrees fundamentally. Like she, she doesn't like the way it's worded, but she accepts, she accepts the sentiment, I think. Yeah. Um, which is kind of the whole problem here. Yeah. I mean, she
1: recognizes the bad optics in that sentence and, and, and yeah, yeah, telling the entirety of humanity to stay out of our way and let us do our stuff is not good optics, but yeah, She at this point, she agrees with it.
0: Yeah. So the team then comes together to basically prematurely cap off the segment by giving their plug for their support organization, asking people to reach out for them,
1: (laughs) which is like a pretty hilarious pivot. Right. Can you imagine if like a politician got up on stage and just like screamed at an entire audience and then finished with vote for me? Yeah, it's basically that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Hashtag uh, keeps her safe. (laughs) <laughs> i'm not a crook
1: i'm not a crook
0: yeah uh, um and then you know lynn the hostess replies you're talking like you're done but we still have half the show left was i were we i was we were uh which is a you know beautifully like when you're reading it you're like yeah power yeah. move but also terrible terrible optics yeah
1: i mean remember how horrified she was um that they would make them leave prematurely and thus get control of the entire narrative without without them there to defend themselves. Well, mm. this is like exactly what's going to happen now, except they're leaving them on like the the most negative sentiment out of the whole thing, right? Like like at the commercial break before, they had just dropped this bomb, but they were doing well. Like they they were still kind of in control. They've lost control now, and now they're leaving. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just like they like this other half of the show is just going to be brutal.
0: Yep, yep. It's a shame we don't get to see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll trust the process. I said. So will I. Gary said. We left the hot illumination of the set in, into the dimly lit side area beneath the staring, hostile eyes of the crowd in their seats. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, that went great. So, yeah. Um, more heat light. Imagery by the way. Yeah,
1: I mean this this was a this was a disaster. This is an absolute disaster and like I I think we're going to get into the areas in which it Won't be a disaster which I think is going to be very interesting for the ongoing conflict here, but It's just like you see things start off so well. They were in control of the narrative They were directing the conversation where they wanted to and then it just fell apart so fast and Mm -hmm. maybe I mean you could argue and I think we're going to that this was never going to go well for them that even, even if Victoria wasn't pushed to this point, it might not have mattered, but certainly not a good look.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they get back to their base and they weather the storm of incoming emails. There's an endless barrage of hate mail coming in at an incredible rate. The team is actually just kind of staring in shell shock, watching it all come in in real time. Um, and at one point, they all kind of fixate on this one particular email that's just
1: like a long, painful, personal letter of of blame. Yeah, I really appreciate that the story takes the time to really focus on the fallout of this. It's not enough for us to just leave there know, knowing how bad it went. We see the results here. and And we start this whole section off with... Victoria saying the mention of the wretch on national television had felt like the moment the wave had connected. It hadn't been. That was just for me, my own misshapen boat on the uneven dark waters. The implication here is that the worst part of it, the wave, is this. Is is mm-hmm. is the negative reaction? Is seeing these emails pour in, 16 in 10 seconds, and sometimes like just just the, the hatred and the terribleness pour in, and and we don't shy away from it. The book, the book makes us see that painful letter that you're talking about this, this, this it's, it's real. If, if yes, displaced and improperly pointed pain and anger of real people that suffered and, and now have turned all of that pain and anger that they don't understand and they don't know what to do with. And now they have a focal point for it. And it's this team in particular and Cape, you know, manatee at large. And, I love that even as Victoria is is convinced to walk away from this, to stop looking at it, and she closes her laptops, th- throughout the conversation, we see her, like, glance over at other people's computers and see it continue to pour in. Even when she looks away from it, she can't fully look away from it.
0: Yeah, this this wave, you know, I wonder if, if they had—their idea was, okay, we're going to get out in front of this PR disaster, we're going to protect Kinsey— and instead they they have brought this wave upon themselves which i have to wonder if they hadn't gone on tv would they just be fielding a couple of letters talking about kenzie specifically and and getting a good night's sleep yeah yeah like did they, did they create this themselves or were they were they lured into this like were they set up for this you know yeah
1: i mean i think yeah yes I <laughs> yeah,
0: I think I think so. But yeah, so Victoria asks Sveta if they did OK. And Sveta is basically like, no, <laughs> not really. But in nicer Sveta like words, which causes Victoria to not really hear the message.
1: Yeah, she's walking on eggshells around her. Right. And she tries to frame the failure as politically as possible. She says the, the whole shit show is just Everyone's just mad because you took over the broadcast. And while I'm sure that's part of the reason they're upset, because like one of the problems people have with capes is they tend to go into something and take it over. Um, But she frames it all as that. And Victoria's response is, you're right. I like that perspective. It's not, that's not a mea culpa. That's not, um, that's, that's not, I recognize what went wrong here. It's like, I appreciate how you framed this thing because it doesn't necessarily mean that it was my issues or my fuck up that caused this. Mm -hmm. And that got me thinking that it, it is interesting that nobody here is blaming her. Like at least we don't see it. Like there's not a lot of talking to Victoria in this moment. So maybe they're talking about it to each other. But I like to think that, Once again, we're circling the wagons and protecting their own like we've seen breakthrough do that time and time again, where someone in their group fucks up and we kind of circle around them and protect them. Um, And it feels like that's what's happening again.
0: Yeah, I mean, my my mind goes to Chris here like you think Chris would be like, (laughs) Jesus Christ, and you guys are always on my case, you know, but no, he's just kind of chilling. actually.
1: Yeah, but I think that's dangerous because sometimes you need someone to sit you down and be like, look you fucked you fucked up (laughs) like like i understand why it happened i understand you were pushed i get all this but look you you gotta a talk to the team about your shit and b we gotta start working on some of this stuff because that was bad yeah there's before we move on there's one more quote that really jumped out of me in this whole uh, victoria sveta combination um she says Sveta's argument is that you took over, you took control and that pissed everyone off. And Victoria's responsive is if we let them have control, it was going to end in disaster. And I know she's specifically talking about these hosts and this show, right? But if we look at this quote, isn't this kind of like a microcosm of the entire Cape human conflict, right? Like that capes feel like they have to take over because if they don't, everything is going to end in disaster and humans are here just like wait what no like we we're good too <laughs> yeah. and i think that's like just like if if they if we don't have control if we don't take over everything's fucked and yeah i, I love that like the, like it's i love the double meaning of that right like it's it's specific while also being broad
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and and it's it's repeating what she, like her thought process when she stood up, when she's like, "Ah, oh, this is getting away from me. I need to retake control." Right. It's like, no, no. That's like the worst possible. Like you're you're throwing control away in in your desperation to grab it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um. Then something something very sad. Victoria feels a touch of the old dysphoria as her phone buzzes. Oh yeah,
1: this is. I mean, this is like it's heartbreaking and 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 i think i, I really love what you said and i repeat i'm going to repeat myself again but about how we've kind of rolled her back to almost chapter 1 right mm-hmm. um and i i love that we do this from a storytelling standpoint because this is a really good way of getting across to the reader just how fucked up this has left her because victoria's kind of in a daze right now and i don't think she's fully absorbed how bad this is both for her own mental health and for like her group as a whole so i don't think her narrative voice is really capable of fully conveying the depth of her despair right here but in one sentence referencing her dysphoria we get it we understand we fully understand the the low that she's at right now and i think it's such a a a quick efficient way of of communicating that to us we're in a in a you know, first-person stories. Sometimes you run across a way, uh, a problem where how can I communicate this when I want my character to not be aware of it? And I think that's a, mm-hmm. a, a really great way of doing it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking of her being in a daze, like she she thinks that she's used to being a cape with no secret identity, but we've seen like one random person recognize her in public. Mm-hmm. She just went on a TV show that's that's implied to be watched by millions of people it's a popular it's a popular show her i don't know if she thought through the ramifications of that to walking around with her civilian face on yeah yeah
1: and they all know now that she used to be a a monster right i mean that's her worst nightmare right and exactly i mean you gotta wonder did she think that that was impossible like i don't I mean, I know a lot of records were lost in Gold Morning, but did she think it was impo- like no one would know about her hospital stay?
0: Like, I think she just thought no one would go after her. Yeah, like, like why would they go after me? Yeah, this is about well, which is a f- it's a fair th- it's a fair thing because th- I mean she was set up like like she, I mean narratively speaking, this was a, a a trap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there was no way that she. But like it's reasonable for her to think like, oh yeah, this is supposed to be about, about Kenzie. I'm like like it it's super low and again sleazy to do that. So they probably won't. It looks really bad to do that. She yeah. miscalculated and and yeah. But
1: Well, and I think it again yeah. shows these people have a really great understanding of of who Victoria is, right? Because if they went for if they went directly for Victoria, I don't think she appears on the show.
0: Yeah. But well, yeah, because there's nothing she didn't do, she didn't do anything wrong. She's right. just someone they can manipulate, yeah, yeah. Um, but the phone buzzing, it's her parents telling her that uh, them and their team are back in the organization. Yep, yay! Except <laughs> Carol ruins it by reminding her not to be mean to her sister. <laughs> You're doing so well, Carol.
1: Not now, Carol. I mean, like, damn it, like, damn now, it. really, yeah. now, <laughs> now. To be with 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 the intent of being the absolute maximum amount of charitable towards Carol. I I do think Amy's probably not taking this very well either. Right. I think this is probably really hard on her. She just had a man stand on national television or universal television and say, hey, this person is a monstrous bioweapon that could at any moment just kill us all, which probably doesn't like feel good when you're a person that's like trying to work through your problems and and move past the terrible things that you've done in the past probably probably not a great a great feeling for you um yeah i mean should carol have brought it up in this moment no fuck no that was terrible and stupid but i i think her heart was in the right place here i really do
0: yeah yeah no i mean like someone should be thinking of how amy's doing
1: <laughs> yeah like i hope her parents have called her yeah like if they're if I call Victoria first, she was the one on TV, yeah. But I hope their next call is Amy.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, so they also hear from Mayday, who seems to maybe be on board. It's not really clear.
1: Yeah, but I think the most interesting part about what we're seeing here is that this little this little event that Victoria just participated in, as bad as it went, has appeared to bring most of the capes that we're willing to work with them back to the fold. Um, and that's really interesting, right? Because if that's true, then what we've done here is galvanized the sides against each other, right? Mm-hmm. We've taken the t- yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've, we've, t- we've taken the two sides and we pushed them further away from each other. And now it is definitely Cape versus human in a way that it has never been before. And I think it's just thematically perfect that that happened on a, a cable TV news show Yeah Because that's what Fucking cable TV news does It polarizes right. people Against each other Like yeah. And And that's I mean So I think For Victoria's band of capes You could see it as a victory Like they 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 set out to accomplish What they wanted Which was Stop our organization From collapsing But in the long term There are two sides now Yeah And they're clearly Defined sides
0: Right. They may they may have stopped their organization from collapsing by showing their organization how much hostility they were facing and forcing them to band together for solidarity, which is right. not what she was after, I think.
1: No, yeah. I mean it just it just means things are will get worse.
0: Yep. So abruptly they realize that they've received an important email. It's goddess with <gasps> a simple request. Meet. Victoria recognizes that this is related to what the team were hiding from her yesterday or earlier. Anyway, uh, they show her what they hid from her before, which is a series of images of Amy meeting with goddess multiple times. (sighs) It's unavoidable. I said half of my meaning intended to follow Sveta's last statement, half for myself to warn me of the present day, to warn the me of the present day of what was coming.
1: Yeah. So, I mean... I think you'll agree with me that this feels like the end of an arc, right? Like we're gonna have an interlude, but this is it. This is the end of arc eight. Um, Probably. I, yeah. I don't think I've ever been more excited for an arc ending in in Ward. I, I love this so much. Our characters just had this whole debate, this whole public debate about the idea of second chances, the idea of forgiving and forgetting, and the difference between those two things, and how that plays out in cape versus human interactions. And we see this idea that that. Victoria doesn't want her Amy in jail, but I think on some level Victoria believed and believes that it was only a matter of time before Amy goes bad again. Like we saw that, I think it was the second arc, right? Where she was talking to Jessica and said, look, Amy's going to be a problem. Like mm-hmm. she she might be the biggest problem we're all facing. And and a lot of bad stuff has happened since then, but I think that that did show us that Victoria is utterly convinced that th- it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Here in front of her in pictures Is evidence of that exact thing. We see, we see, goddess, the current like big bad as far as we know of the story, meeting with Victoria's own personal big bad, and to our hero, this is you know prophecy fulfilled. This is I was expecting this. I always knew this was going to happen. This is a confirmation of everything I feared was going to happen.
0: Yeah, right. It reminds me that she she seems to literally think that Amy got the villain gene from her father. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like that's that's how kind of biased she is. But yeah. Yeah. It's it's incredibly well set up and. Yeah. And makes perfect sense. And I love it.
1: Yeah. But to me personally, my, you know, ongoing prediction, I think this kind of confirms to me that things with goddess are just not as simple as our characters have painted them. Right. Um, Maybe I'm cutting Amy too much slack here, but I I really I really don't think the story is going to be. And then Amy is terrible and wants to destroy everyone with goddess and they're all going to be evil together and more like, I just, I just don't buy that. So right. I, I think this is confirmation that th- there, what, what her goal is, what she wants is going to be different than we think it is. And right. man, I can't wait for that conversation.
0: <laughs> Me too. And, uh, yep. Looking forward to next one. That wraps up arc. Well, I can't say that yet. No, no. That wraps up these two chapters. Yeah, Yeah. there's gonna be an interlude. So, um, I don't think we got any name. I mean, we got the names of the hosts, which I'm sure were chosen in some extremely careful way. But I can't say anything smart about them.
1: One of their last names was chess. Yeah, that's true. They were like playing chess.
0: Yeah, they they were they were setting up the board and checkmating and stuff mm-hmm. um yeah so discussion question for this week so we pointed out on this episode the ways in which wild bow uses his skill at pace intention to take a scene that doesn't involve a lot of traditional action set pieces and to make it a figurative page turner uh, what are some of your favorite examples of how wild bow has done this in other areas of worm ward
1: I like that question. Yeah,
0: thank you. That's Scott's question, and I, I agree uh, that that is a great question um, because m- my favorite types of questions tend to be the the ones about writing, mm-hmm. and and I really love like again like like Scott said that that's really an area where Wild Bo just shines and and is is really quite masterful actually. So yeah, I'd love yeah. to be reminded of all these perfect scenes of of tension and um, page turneriness.
1: Yeah, it turns out, Matt, we like writing. Who, who knew?
0: Yeah, that's I'm learning this about myself. <laughs> well, that's all we got for you this week on We've Got Ward. Uh, you guys are all part of this show, so feel free to provide us with advice, questions, or thoughts on this week's reading.
1: You can reach out to us via email at gotwormpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at gotwormpod. My personal Twitter is at scottdaily85 and Matt's is at Mordinamail. I don't have a yeah. joke this time. It's just, uh, that's just what it is. Yeah. yeah. Good luck spelling uh, it, though.
0: Yeah, no, you can't. If you're not already subscribed to We've Got Ward, we strongly recommend you do so and never miss an episode. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else in the world you can listen to
1: podcasts. And as always, you can find this, all the other podcasts we do, over at our brand new shiny website, doofmedia.com. This week on our other channels, we'll have a new episode of the DoofCast for you, as well as a new Vow to View covering disaster movies. And hopefully, fingers crossed, a new episode of Weaver Dice as soon as I send that file over to Matt. Which, yeah. Matt, it's it's coming, Matt. Yeah.
0: And then I can start actually editing it. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> Thank you. It's coming. Yeah. Uh, and if you like any of our shows and you want to support us, consider donating to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash You can donate a dollar a month or whatever else you can afford. Supporting us on Patreon gives you tons of great bonuses like voting in our quarterly fan art contest. Which uh, is coming up. Yeah, wrapping up soon. Uh, Q&A sessions with us. Access to live streams of our recording sessions like this very one, which is being participated in by some of our patrons. And our excellent and lively Discord chat. Um, Special thanks to new Bidoof, lachlan at the three dollar level Badoof. yeah that, that's is that the first uh Bidoof that we've uh no we had some no?
1: last week oh, oh Sorry. Well. oh well yeah. welcome uh, to the doof squad
0: that's right and <laughs> as always make sure you go over to wildbo's pa- patreon patreon.com slash wildbo and donate to him as well because this is his world we're just being tortured on television for it
1: yeah And if you can't afford to donate right now, that is absolutely okay. You can instead help us out by heading on over to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a rating and a review. This week's review comes from TMS, who gives us five stars and says, here's an uh, award for a great podcast. Excellent Uh analysis, thought provoking commentary and a little bit of fanboying. (laughs) A <laughs> little, little bit blends really together. Generous. Yeah, blends together to make this a seminal podcast for parahumans, humans, past and present. Keep keep it up. Thank you so much, TMS, and thank you every single one of you that have taken the time to leave us a rating and review. We know some of you don't leave the the reviews, but you still rate us, and that helps too. I know some of you like I have trouble coming up with re- things to say on reviews sometimes on all my podcasts. So I'm just like eh, five stars. That's yeah. great. Um, yeah. So that that even helps too. So we appreciate you guys taking the time to do that so much yeah
0: yeah we do all right that's it for the show this week uh next week we'll be finishing up arc 8 probably and possibly moving on to arc 9
1: hey matt do you have any guesses on arc 9's title
0: inferno whoa how about you
1: i went more positive i'm going with radiance
0: we'll just have to see